Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the death of John the Baptist. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Don Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, so the last podcast we taped, we decided to go back and talk about John the Baptist because we hadn't done that for a while. But we skipped one particular aspect, and that was his death because we decided that warranted its own podcast. Indeed. So here we are. And I think we should start with the type of preaching that he was doing that was sending him down the path that eventually led to his death. John really spoke a lot about, from what we can tell, what we have in the Gospels, what we have available to us about John comes to us out of our four Gospels. And there are some writings about him in kind of the antiquities, the writings that were about that time period. Mm -hmm. He was a Jewish leader. He was someone who spoke within that context. He was preaching and teaching about the current ways in which the leadership was running and doing things, the ways in which religious leaders were guiding and leading the people. Mm -hmm. And he was preaching against the powers and principalities. He was calling people a brood of vipers. Mm -hmm. He was telling people to change their ways. He was telling people that they were putting too much uh, interest in their own merits and not enough on the well-being of the world around them. So basically all the kinds of things that prophets who speak to the wellness of community over individual wellness say things that usually gets you killed. Mm -hmm. The whole speaking truth to power thing? Speaking truth to power and speaking collective care over individual comfort all of those kinds of things that usually end up getting you into quite some trouble with authorities. Those were the kinds of things that John the Baptist was out preaching in the countryside and that were getting him into trouble and that eventually landed him in trouble with the local Jewish authorities and particularly led him into significant conflict with Herod Antipas um, or Antipas or... I don't know the actual correct emphasis on syllable mm -hmm. for that one. So we're just going to say the current King Herod at the time. Okay. Which begs the question, is it the same King Herod that kills Jesus or is it a different one? The adult Jesus, yes. The children born at the time of Jesus, no. Okay. So... We know that the Herod that was king when Jesus is born, mm -hmm. that the wise people come and find and is very jealous of this new king and who orders all of the children killed mm -hmm. who were born around that time, that is actually this Herod's father. Okay. So this Herod was raised by that Herod. <laughs> I'm getting it. I'm tracking. Right? And this Herod, who is responsible for the death of John the Baptist, is involved in the Passion events. It is the same Herod that's involved in Jesus's trial and the events leading up to his crucifixion and death. Okay. Can you clarify one more thing for me? 
Uh-huh. Maybe. Who dies first, Jesus or John the Baptist? John the Baptist. Okay. Yep. So John the Baptist begins his ministry first and is doing his ministry in public long before Jesus begins his public ministry. Mm -hmm. Jesus, who is then 30 at the time, comes along and is baptized by John, and that marks the beginning of his public ministry. And then Jesus has three years of public ministry. It is within those three years of Jesus's public ministry before his crucifixion that John the Baptist is arrested and killed. Okay. Well, let's get into it then. Why is John the Baptist arrested? What leads to his death? Herod, Herod Antipas has married his brother's wife. Okay. Now... In Jewish law, there's a Jewish law that talks about if your brother has died, you marry his wife in order to keep the line going. Like you have an obligation to do so. Mm -hmm. What I believe is the issue here is that his half brother isn't actually dead and Herod Antipas has divorced his first wife and taken his half-brother's wife, Herodias, and married her. At first glance, for those of us who only sort of kind of know the traditions, we're like, but aren't you supposed to do that mm -hmm. if there's a, right? Like we could mm -hmm. look at it and kind of wonder, but it's a little bit more of one of those David and Bathsheba kind of moments where well, that's where my mind went. Right. And I'm sure that for those of us who don't study it as effectively as some of like the preeminent scholars, I probably just made a terrible illusion there. But if we think about the ways in which David saw Bathsheba and wanted to be with her and then arranged for ways in order to own her mm -hmm. as a wife, Herod manages to become espoused with Herodias. And Herodias doesn't seem to mind this too much. She brings her stepdaughter with her. Mm -hmm. And Salome, the woman that we call Salome, comes along with her. And they are in this palace. They are with Herod as part of his family. And John the Baptist is speaking out against this. He is saying this breaks custom, this breaks tradition, this is inappropriate, this should not have happened. And in doing so, the Gospels have various accounts of this. Not all the Gospels really care about all this, but some of them do. Some give more information than the others. But generally speaking, the Gospels say John the Baptist spoke out against Herod because of this situation with the marriage, and so he was arrested and put into Herod's jail. And so that's what gets him into jail. Interesting. I can only imagine it's not the only thing he said that would have landed him in jail, but that that's <laughs> the straw that broke the camel's back is kind of fascinating. It makes me wonder, was he like the, the E news, you know, was uh -huh. he the, was it finally like when he broke the best gossip of the week where finally they were like, Oh no, we just can't have that. <laughs> It's also fascinating to me that he was somebody that you know people were telling him, you just kind of pipe down. Can you just not say all the things that are coming into your brain? Oh, yeah. But he was not going to back down. No. So not his personality. 
No, not his personality at all. At least not what we have of his personality that has managed to remain in scripture. Which gospels talk most about John the Baptist and particularly his death? Definitely Matthew and Luke have the most. Matthew has the most over all of them. Mark includes the information. John has very little. John mostly just mentions that John the Baptist was arrested. Doesn't really go into much more than that. Matthew holds the most. Mark does include information about it, though. So the synoptics all hold the information. There's just a little bit more commentary coming from Matthew and Luke. Now, anybody who does know the story of John the Baptist understands that the women play a fairly significant role in this. Mm -hmm. How do you take that? What do you do with that? I'm fascinated by it. One thing that I personally have not done yet is to read any feminist commentaries or womanist commentaries on the beheading of John. And I think that might be a really interesting take Mm -hmm. to read on this, to just wonder what is the womanist take on this? But I haven't seen it, partially because I haven't looked for it. To be completely fair, I'm sure it's out there. For those who are now sitting there wondering because they don't know the story, can you Mm -hmm. fill in the blanks for us, please? Yeah. So what then happens is John is hanging out in Herod's prison, and the Gospels have not conflicting but differing versions as to why John is hanging out in the prison without being quickly executed. Some of them say that Herod kind of thought he was a neat pet to have in the basement. Some of them say that he was afraid that executing him would bring up a kind of more trouble in the masses, Mm -hmm. more chaos. Some say that he knew him to be a holy man. And so he would, he kept him there in order to chat with him from time to time. So not out of fear, out of respect. Exactly. Kind of like, well, I'll control him by keeping him in my dungeon, but at least he's not out there rabble rousing, but I can confer with him from time to time. So Mm -hmm. There's kind of a various different ways that the gospel writers have looked at how, kind of like the different ways that gospel writers view Pilate and how they interpret Pilate. They do similar with Herod regarding John the Baptist. But what they agree on is that at a birthday party, Herod, who is likely quite intoxicated, mm-hmm. birthday parties are very significant, and this is where you do get some... Uh, some good commentary in the past on other women who have been asked to dance in front of men, particularly when talking about the book of Esther Mm -hmm. and those situations. So Herod calls for his stepdaughter to come and dance before his guests. And he is deeply pleased by her dance Everyone is impressed by her dance. Mm -hmm. And he says, I will give you anything, anything you want, even up to half of my kingdom. Name it and it is yours. And so she goes out to her mother and says, what should I ask for? And her mother says, the head of John the Baptist on a platter. That is so not what I would have asked for in that situation. (laughs) I can think of many, many other things. So there's got to be something 
that is going on for Herodias, right? There has to be something about what is being spoken of her or Mm -hmm. what I can't imagine that the head of John the Baptist is going to die down any public gossip going on, but maybe that's where she was at. Or, or it's just an impact of power. Who knows? But what we do know is that her daughter goes in and asks for the head of John the Baptist on a platter and saying it in front of everyone at this party and he's just said, I will give you anything. Uh-huh. He can't back down. Uh-huh. He is stuck. He has to follow through. And so he does. He sends his guards down to the basement. John the Baptist's head is cut off and the head is brought to Salome in the banquet hall on a platter. And she exits having brought about the execution of John the Baptist. His body is returned to his followers to then lay to rest, and news is spread that John the Baptist has been executed and killed. Wow. That's such a wild ending. Yep. So does this come up in a church service, or is this one of those (laughs) readings that you can do in a Bible study, but you don't have to worry about reading out loud like in front of kids. It gets censored. Exactly. I don't think it's in our lectionary, um, but it does get referenced, you know, when John the Baptist had died kind Mm -hmm. of a thing. But I don't know that they, I can't remember ever reading the story of the beheading of John on a Sunday morning. It could just be that I blanked it out because I have to do children's sermons. (laughs) Same. I can't remember it coming up, and yet that doesn't mean it hasn't, and I've just been, you know, picking at my nails or something else as a kid. Right. But you would think that would stick out. You think you remember it, right? (laughs) It's pretty visceral. Mm -hmm. So is it something that you ever do in a Bible study? Does this ever come up any other way in, in your preaching, or is it just a story in the Bible as far as you're concerned with your ministry? I don't know that I have led a Bible study on it. It's not that I wouldn't. I think it's a fascinating conversation. But I think because it hasn't come up in a Bible study or preaching or those kinds of pieces is probably why I haven't done deep research into the womanist or feminist commentaries on it. There hasn't been the opportunity to do deep research on that because it's not been a topic of great teaching for me. It just doesn't seem like it's going to lend itself to any great way that Herodias comes out of this and poor Salome as just basically a pawn more than anything. Yeah. But there's got to be something rich in there. Mm-hmm. I would hope so. Like Herodias at least is named. Salome isn't named in the scripture. The name that we use for her comes from other traditions, but Herodias is named and we don't often get named women. Mm-mm. Right. So there's got to be, even if it's relatively scandalous, there's got to be something in there that's fascinating. Now, how does this death compare to others that are prophets like John? I mean, I'm assuming death is the inevitable outcome for most of them, but I can't imagine beheading is the way it always goes. Well, I would say most prophets do not die simply. Jesus is crucified. That's actually a really painful, awful death. Beheading could actually be seen as a quicker, as a quicker death, Mm -hmm. depending on the method. 
So a lot of the martyrs and the ways that people were killed for their faith throughout history were quite traumatic. And we'll leave it at that since we didn't give a content warning on Mm. this particular episode. (laughs) That's fair. Okay, then how does Jesus react to the death of John the Baptist? Well, it was his cousin, Mm -hmm. right? So... One of the things I find really interesting, at least in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus's reaction is to go away to be by himself, to grieve. But the people follow him because oftentimes when Jesus goes away to be by himself to grieve, oh, people nobody tend respects to... that. <laughs> nobody does. That's they that's don't what today. Happens. Why would they any other time? I know, right? So what happens in the Gospel of Matthew? Jesus tries to get away. He goes off, he turns around, everyone has followed him. They have followed him everywhere, but no one has remembered to bring any food with them. His followers are like, Jesus, what are we going to do? You've got to feed these people. Jesus looks at them and says, you feed them. And they say, we don't have anything. All we have is this kid has a couple of fish and we got a couple loaves of bread. And Jesus sits down and feeds 5,000 people. Of course. The feeding of the 5,000 comes right after the death of John the Baptist. Wow. And so Jesus goes from this place of deep grief to this place of deep compassion for God's people and deep mercy and deep abundance and a beautiful sign and miracle of God occurs. That's pretty amazing. Isn't it? Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. All right. And it's going to be pop culture related. The head of John the Baptist is something that is many, many times over been depicted in paintings throughout the years. In addition to Salome has all sorts of dances and songs and music and whatnot. Yes. Is there any of that that has penetrated that is something that you enjoy one way or another? Ooh, I don't know that I enjoy it. I would say that there are definitely versions of John's head, like the image, the paintings Mm -hmm. that are visceral images. Like, I don't know that there is a red more vibrant in a painting than some of the reds that are used in some of those paintings. It is just... I mean, the word vermilion mm-hmm. comes to mind, right? They're just um, shocking and stunning, not in a comforting way, mm-hmm. like in that truly, deeply unsettling way. None of the ones that I've seen, they're not there for your comfort. They're there no. to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. And that's good art, mm-hmm. right? It's seriously good art that makes you go, uh, when you see it. And that's a lot of those particular portrayals of the presentation of the head. And so I think that that's probably, I I haven't seen a lot of contemporary pieces, but a lot of the classical pieces Mm -hmm. that are very gut-wrenching and elicit a ton of kind of um, not even articulatable emotional response, just powerful, powerful gut reaction, which says something. It says something about the topic. It really does. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about the death of John the Baptist. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and thank you all for listening along. 
If you have questions or comments or you want to learn a little bit more about any of the topics that we have been chatting about here for the past several years, look us up on Spotify or iTunes or check out our website. You can look back at our past catalog of podcasts or if you have a great idea that we haven't covered yet, we would love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. Until we are back in your ears again, remember... God loves you no matter what.